0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no Get ready to
1: take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Hey, teacher, it well, good evening and welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join our conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I am Rebecca Hagstrom, co-host of Education America, and I'm joined in studio with my wonderful new co-host, Abigail Johnson. So good to be here. Yeah, It
0: is an amazing summer day here in Minnesota. One of the few where you just go, you know what? This is a pretty great state to live in. Mm-hmm. Now we may not feel From the same may in a few August, months,
1: <laughs> but it feels pretty good right now. <laughs> right, we know that uh, those long winter days get long. Well, we are excited to turn our attention to a book that um, actually has been out for a few years, Mm -hmm. and I read it a couple of years ago, but we circled back to it because of everything that's happening in education, because it has done such a great job of really setting and teeing up what we're um, seeing maybe as problems within our school system, not just K-12, but also at the college level. And the name of that book is The Coddling of the American Mind. And it was written by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haight. And it started off that they actually wrote an article, I believe it might have been in the Atlantic uh, or Federalist, something like that. And I think it was the Atlantic. And it got so much attention that they decided to go ahead and write an entire book about this topic. And I think people really resonate whether they're on um, the left or the right side of the aisle. I think this is an apolitical book that was really taking note of what's happening in our culture at large and then how that's playing out in parenting and in schools mm-hmm. and what have you. And so we decided this is an important book for us to circle back on. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to be talking about it from a general standpoint today. And then in a few weeks, we hope to go dig in a little bit deeper and talk about some of these topics on a deeper level, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that
0: I think is really that just kind of caught my eye and said, yes, we should we should talk about this book. It has been out now. It's not... Necessarily a recent release; it was published, I think, back in 2019. However, you know, there's there's just this phenomena sweeping our country, and the more parents I talk to, um, and and some of these parents are, you know, maybe they're watching a lot of news or trying trying to be uh, get facts and try to be fair and get the full picture, sort out, you know, what is real, what is you know, quote unquote fake news. Um, but the common theme that i hear in all of this is oh my gosh how did we get here mm-hmm. how, what i mean this some of this stuff just boggles your mind that we're even having this discussion and you know and so this book kind of talks about you know from the university perspective how we got here and i think part of what is really interesting about this is I know, I don't know, Rebecca, if you ever experienced this, but, you know, back when I was in college, it was, well, universities, they're all just kind of crazy kids. I, I mean, universities have historically been places of kind of dissent, pushback. People are, are usually mm-hmm. though, it's been students pushing back for, you know, fr- more freedom, freedom of speech. Um, Rather than we want to talk now. about, we want to talk about these big issues. We want to hear the dissenting opinions. Um, you know, that's usually where these things happen. And a lot of the perspective was always, "Yeah, well, you know, once these kids get out into the real world, they're going to they'll, they'll change their tune. They'll start to see you can't you can't act like this. You can't kind of have at least the discourse needs to be a little more mm-hmm. respectful and civilized. However, what this book talks about is. Yeah, that's, that's really not what's happened.
1: No, and not only that, but it doesn't end at the college level anymore. Absolutely. Now it's pushing all the way into corporate America, where we're seeing a lot of these same uh, people uh, push their agenda in corporate America, and we're really seeing it change and transform the landscape as a result. So this book really goes into three untruths. Mm-hmm. The untruth of fragility, they call it. Um, the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. <laughs> so when you think about how we've usually heard that terminology, we hear, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I believe that they referenced Nietzsche in that case. But instead, this idea of the untruth of fragility being something that's a common theme that we're seeing across America, um, it seems to be the opposite. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker, And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then the second untruth is the untruth of emotional reasoning. Always trust your feelings.
0: Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, doesn't that work great for us? Yeah. I mean, especially as parents. That's what I tell my kids all the time. Well, if you feel like it
1: then, I mean, it must be so. (laughs) Well, and as much as we might know intellectually that that isn't true, I can't believe how many people practice this. And and, and even probably even all of us do at some point. You know, just do what you think is right. You know, trust Mm -hmm. your feelings. You hear that saying a lot, but that has actually exploded into something completely different than what it was originally intended. And now we have these subjective standards of, of pain and harm and very different than what it used to be where they were talking mainly about physical safety. And we're going to talk about that in a little while too. And then the third untruth is the untruth of us versus them. Life is a battle between good people and bad people. Mm. As though that's the only two options. If yes. you don't agree with me, Abigail, you are evil. Oh, man. And you are racist. Well, that
0: ends this radio partnership.
1: <laughs> that, that was a quick run. <laughs> Lasted two shows. I know. <laughs> Actually, thankfully we do agree on quite a bit. But <laughs> but I can I think we can handle a little bit of disagreement there, that's for sure. But yeah, this whole idea of the untruth of fragility, you know, one of the things that they reference in the book. Is peanut allergies as an example um, that when we if we really want resilient kids, we need to expose them mm-hmm. to hardship and difficulties and one of the things that the authors say is as as um, countries and and cultures grow more and more wealthy and strong, they tend to grow weaker. I, I use the word "strong" loosely, healthy mm-hmm. and strong, uh, wealthy, but that they tend to develop more weak individuals because they become more and more comfortable. They haven't faced the same hardships, and one of the examples they gave to compare it to is peanut allergies. Yes, that was really wasn't interesting. that interesting. I know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, running a school, yes. you know, in the early years of our school, I will say I heard a lot more about peanut allergies back then. Twenty, okay. you know, it's been it'll be twenty years now this year than I do now, which is kind of interesting. But back then, peanut allergies were a really big deal. And we did have several students that had severe peanut allergies. And I, I did wonder, gee, why does it seem like this is more common? Well, it turns out they did a research study on this and found that if kids are exposed to peanuts and other legumes they are actually less likely at young ages, infant Mm -hmm. ages, they are more likely to not or less likely to develop an allergy. Mm -hmm. And so they were comparing that to our society. So if this idea that our kids are fragile, we have to be so careful um, sure if you if your child has a real allergy you do need to be careful. Oh yes. Uh, yes. I don't want to undermine the kids who have true allergies but the point is that overall yes we it's, really... it's more of a macro perspective why yes. in the world are we seeing more of this as a
0: society as a whole. Right. And that was just I mean if you look at even I remember growing up and um you know we uh, you know we ran around all the time with no shoes. Yeah. Uh, no shoes outside I, I do remember digging a massive hole in our backyard. Uh, my mom was not pleased mm-hmm. because I was told that you know we had learned something in history about the Romans did these mud baths. Yeah. So I decided to make my you own. You were going to make bath, your own mud baths. Which I that mean, in like all that my boys oh, would yeah. have done. So it was, I, she was real happy with mm-hmm. me that they. But overall, the the point was just we were outside barefoot. Running yep. around, whereas you know how often do kids do that right. now, right. Um, and yeah. and that was just a really interesting part of the study. Kind of the more affluent societies become, almost the more sheltered right. the students, you know, mm-hmm. their their young children mm-hmm. become, and then
1: kind of what is that doing? From a variety of factors, mm-hmm. and well, know, and, and interesting. I think back to my own childhood, and I used to be able to bike downtown to the Ben Franklin and get penny candy, and our parents didn't ever worry about us going downtown on Main Street. Granted, I was in a, a little town, um, and I think unfortunately, there's some. Uh, there's always some reality for why we end up with this fragility notion because, of course, now we hear more about children being abducted. And so nobody wants their child to be abducted, of course. But we take one story that we hear and we catastrophize. Remember Mm -hmm. one of the things he talked about is this whole notion of cognitive distortions and Mm -hmm. how our society is starting to really teach kids to have cognitive distortions, when in all reality, if they want to treat anxiety, what they do is they actually treat them by helping them get rid of cognitive distortions. Yes. So we're doing, we're raising kids with the very distortions that cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we have more anxiety in our kids and in our culture at large. And then what we've noticed too is, you know, it's
0: not just what's happening with parenting. This is obviously, this book goes into, which is why we're dividing it up into several shows. We both kind of looked at the book and went, wow, there's a lot of really interesting stuff here. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, looking at how education has changed, Mm -hmm. um, what are we doing? And again, this particular book talks a lot about um, what was happening in the university. um, But I think now, even in a short three years since the book has been published, I think we would both say we've seen an awful lot of what they discuss in the book in even um, you know high school, middle school, elementary oh, schools as well. So we thought that yeah. this was a really interesting mm-hmm. thing. Mostly, number one for parents to be aware of, but number two, I think there are parents out there, you know, number one that are saying, "How in the world did we get here? How are we even?" Having these discussions that they couldn't even imagine having mm-hmm. um, when their child, you know, when they were going to school. And number two, okay, so how do we raise resilient kids? Mm-hmm. You know, what, how can I as a parent do this? I'm not a psychologist. I'm right. not a, you know, I don't have special skills with this. So what, what do we
1: do then? Mm-hmm. To create resilient kids. And I think we have to, based upon, you know, this book and others, we have to really uh, be countercultural in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because the culture would say focus on safety. Um, You know, that's another, that second untruth is trust your feelings. And it talks about how emotional safety has come to be associated with physical safety. So Mm -hmm. in the past, if we talked about kids getting bullied, or PTSD, or even safety itself, safety referenced physical safety. Mm-hmm. And now it's been transformed and broadened. These terms have been broadened to mean things that are very different when they from what they were originally intended to mean. So now you hear people say, "Well, I I feel unsafe because that person disagrees with me or that person uses trigger words and that makes me feel unsafe." When really they're talking about emotional safety, not physical safety, but by virtue of the fact that they're using the word safe, it it elevates mm-hmm. the the supposed harm that is occurring when in actuality That's actually, again, squelching one of the values of this country, which is to have a diversity of thought and opinions. Mm -hmm. And so if I can't have an opinion without it triggering you and you saying, well, now I feel unsafe, I feel harmed, you're bullying me or whatever, um, that shuts down the conversation. Yep. Yep. And and that's what we're starting to see. And all then you across. start
0: seeing kids, or even in some adults, saying, "You know, we are doing engaging in self censorship." Yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I yeah. don't want to get.
1: I don't want to get dinged. I and... don't want to be told that I'm a racist. I don't want to be told that I'm causing someone harm, and what have you exactly. Well, you are listening to Education America where Abigail Johnson and I are discussing the book Coddling of the American Mind and discussing how these three untruths, um, the untruth of fragility, the untruth of emotional reasoning, and the untruth of us versus them are impacting education in America. And we're glad that you're with us and hope you're enjoying our conversation here. Um, As we consider the untruth of us versus them, Abigail. They've really kind of brought this down into a level of um, not only us versus them, but evil versus good. Um, it's it's almost like Marxist in the ideology. when you think back to our, high school days back when we still were learning about Marxism. Mm -hmm. Um, And they talk about the proletariat being the working class and the bourgeois, you know, being the educated class and that they had the power. It was this power struggle between the working class and the educated class. Now they're taking that same dichotomy and they're using it in terms of good versus evil, minority versus white, especially male, Christian, capitalist, um, and they're really creating this division mm-hmm. and saying one is good and one is bad. And it doesn't seem to even take into consideration intent. Mm-hmm. So you can be bad just simply because you did some type of a microaggression that you weren't even intending to cause anybody any harm. But you are considered racist anyway.
0: Yes. And so that was one thing that, you know, we thought that's really interesting because, um, you know, how does this affect, um, how does that affect the culture? How does that, how, um, and what I mean by that is you were just talking about basically we're, you know, discussing intersectionality. Mm-hmm. You know, we're basically ranking people uh, based on, in many cases, um, um Uh, aspects that they don't necessarily have any control over. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have any control over the color of your skin. You don't have any control over the way you were born, your height, um, the color of your hair, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, And so, you know, what does that do in schools? Mm -hmm. You know, and they really take a look at the university setting um, and looking at when we're looking at all of the things that separate us, all the ways that we're different Yeah. You know, how does that affect the school culture? How does that affect, you know, how does that affect friendships? Exactly. How do you how does that affect, you know, is that is that educating students? Is that giving students the opportunity to really look and talk through difficult issues? Because, um, you know, really. In some cases with education, there isn't a clear answer. There Mm -hmm. are many issues um, in this world, although, unfortunately, social media likes to distill it down to a bumper sticker slogan. Mm -hmm. A lot of these issues, they're multifaceted, Mm -hmm. um, and we need the freedom to really look at, um, number one, facts and data Mm -hmm. um, regarding solutions. But also, you know, it might be, you know, there may be a variety of contributing factors, and there needs to be opportunities to really discuss all of that um, without being um, branded a particular thing or another, but instead having civil discussions, Mm -hmm. which um, is really, I think, what made someone like Martin Luther King Jr. such a fantastic, um, obviously he did many wonderful things for the country, but one of the key components of what he did was he brought people together. Together. So he emphasized commonality Mm -hmm. rather than all the ways that were mm-hmm. different, because if you're all you're focusing in it as. Is- all the ways you're different, and f- and to be very frank, all the ways that
1: someone else has it better than you mm-hmm. or
0: easier than you. Yeah, well, it's creating it, that it just doesn't
1: victimization, work. you know, mentality in people, and it's not helpful for them mm-hmm. to focus on what they don't have either. You want to help people focus on what they can do, and I think you're right. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was a unifier, and he focused on common values that our culture had. And he also, even though he was the leader of um, this whole, you know, um, equal rights march and that type of thing, the idea was that he was pointing back to the Constitution and saying that they had it right Mm -hmm. when they wrote the Constitution. They just didn't act on it right away. And I think he used the term promissory note, the Constitution And uh, the Declaration of Independence was a promissory note for the future, recognizing that Yeah, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And clearly the civil rights movement of the 1960s was demonstrating the areas where we weren't there yet. Um, But that didn't mean that he threw the baby out with the bathwater, which is what we're seeing today. America is bad. America was found as these these founders were racist. And that's what the kids are being taught in school now. And we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. the next show about some of the social study standards and some of the ways that that's playing out. But this idea of unifying around commonality versus unifying around enmity, which is what we're seeing happen. And that's because they're really using some of this Marxist ideology of power, kind of these power struggles, as though that's all there is, Mm -hmm. is one or the other. You're either powerful or you're not, or you're good or you're evil. And these are are fallacies. These are dichotomies that are not real. And like you say... Is that what we want in our nation's schools? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we want we want to find our commonality, absolutely, and we want our t- kids to be focused in on learning mm-hmm. and not being indoctrinated with this type of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, in
0: addition ahead. to that, there was um, really a great section um, in the book that, and again. You know, you and I, Rebecca, were at very different stages of parenting. So yeah. I, I always love listening to your stories. You know, sit there going, "Tell me about the other side." <laughs> I was going to say, "I'm on the other side," and, and it's just I love love hearing you know from people that are a few steps ahead of me. Yeah. Um. But you know what I really thought was just fascinating about the book was talking about the un the untruth of. Uh, Always trust your feelings. Yes. And I know we touched on that briefly, but I thought mm-hmm. it was just worth maybe going into a little bit more deeply. Yeah. And I will say I had to laugh because I was, I was reading this book and kind of going through taking notes. And, and as I was doing this, one of my youngest, uh, my youngest daughter, ran up to me and, oh, she was mad. She was so mad. And she was mad because she had been playing with two little girls, one that we knew and one was a new friend. I think we were at a park or something. And, and this little girl wandered over. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, in their very young conversation, this new girl said that she was not my daughter's best friend. And my daughter was not happy about this. And it just in, in, in a way that is so adorable because mm-hmm. they're really young and how yes. ridiculous yes. is this? And so she came over to me, mommy. You know that girl over there and she points to this girl she goes she said she's not my best friend. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, "Well, we don't even know her name. So I think it's okay if you guys aren't best friends yet. I right. think that's okay, honey." And and I'm laughing cuz I'm literally reading this section in the book about always trust, trust your, your feelings. feelings. Yeah. And you know, but isn't that what we're seeing with Some some parenting, but Mm -hmm. you know what we're seeing in the school is well. If you feel this way, if you if you don't feel safe, then you're not right. Um, Instead of adults standing up and saying, you know, I'm sorry you feel mm -hmm. that way. That's I'm sure that's very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about that. But I do want you to know um, that. No one is going to physically harm you. Um, let's take some deep breaths mm-hmm. um, and practice. You know, being calm, and let's talk about. You right. know, where that's. Let's let's move forward with this. Is
1: what really and that is what really builds resiliency. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's not what we see happening on a regular basis in our schools today, and it's a subjective feelings on the part of whoever considers himself a victim. And it becomes so extreme in some cases that it's hard to believe that it's even reality. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave the example at Brown University of the debate about rape culture Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: how um, they were bringing in one speaker who said, who wanted to talk about the fact that America is a culture of rape. And the other speaker was going to come in and say, actually, I don't see America as a culture of rape. And she was going to share her own experience about being raised in Afghanistan, where there really is a rape culture, according to this woman, where she was raped and where women get punished for being raped, um, where she was beaten to the point of losing an eye. Um, and yet, even knowing that, the brown university students did not want her coming on the campus mm-hmm. because they felt that by simply having her imply mm-hmm. that america wasn't a rape culture would undermine the lived experience of those people who think Absolutely. it is so they don't even want to hear i mean this is this is beyond logic oh, in yeah. my opinion i mean who is unwilling to listen to a person's real experience that has truly lived in a culture of rape and help them see that America isn't so bad. That's not to say that there's no rape that occurs. It yes. isn't to say that maybe there is still a loose attitude towards it on college campuses. But to say it's a rape culture, again, it's those extreme words where we're expanding the definition mm-hmm. beyond what it was intended to be.
0: Yes. And I think that was really interesting, too, about the situation at Brown, because actually in the book, I believe they were both um, ideologically. Both speakers were very similar, as in a, uh, I think the book describes them both as they both came from a feminist perspective. Pe- yes, that's, that's the only correct. reason why I bring yes. this up was yeah. she wasn't some outlier saying, th- right. like you said, this mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Right. She wasn't saying that. Right. Um, it was more of words matter. Right. And while we Want to always have a society where women are um, valued and mm-hmm. you know have absolutely have safety. That also words matter, and yeah. that she didn't. It was more of it seemed to me, mm-hmm. um, without obviously being at the lecture, seemed like more of a semantic disagreement, mm-hmm. and even that was triggering for yes. the students. So, yes, yeah. um, yeah, so that was just a really interesting thing. There's a, just a ton in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, I know that. You know, if you're listening to this, this probably is your 15 minutes of trying to catch up on news or educate yourselves on something. So um, it's a great read um, Mm -hmm. if you have the time. But we will also, um, in future shows, just be going a little bit more in depth into some of these topics just because we feel like they're incredibly Mm -hmm. useful as parents are desperately trying to navigate how did we get here and, oh, my goodness, how do I help my child navigate this and help create a child that is Resilient and who can withstand and has the emotional capacity to weather some of these storms and understand. Mm Um, you know, facts and logic. And and so we we will be going into more of this in later shows, just in case you yes. don't have time to yes. read
1: the book. And they will be a little bit more specific to going into safetyism and how it's affecting schools, parenting and what have you. So, mm-hmm. but we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation today. And uh, we ask that you continue to join us on Education America. We are going to be really delving into some great topics that are very pertinent. And this is, obviously one of them. And as you know, we do plan on discussing further implications of this changed thinking that we're seeing in the book summarized by coddling the Mind. And you can listen to this show and you can listen to other shows and podcasts at savetheclassroom.com that's savetheclassroom.com. And please follow us also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to have you join us again next week. Have a good night. Thank Thanks you Abby, so y'all. much.